Thank you for joining us for today's Real Life Today Bible Study with Dr. Brad Witt from the Book of Romans. Thank you for your prayer and support that enables us to share this practical biblical teaching. So grab a Bible, a notebook, and a pen, and let's study God's Word together. All right, guys. Hey, good morning. We're in Romans chapter 4 today. And uh, Romans chapter 4, and um, I don't expect this to take as long as perhaps some of the uh, previous uh, studies have taken. We're going to we're gonna cover Romans chapter 4 this week and tr begin to make progress uh, in getting through uh, this, again, this really amazing, the summit, uh, the Everest, the Himalayas, uh, if you will, of scriptural revelation. We're in Romans chapter 4, picking up in verse number 1. And again, thank you for praying for Kim and I, uh, Kim and me, as we were traveling this past week uh, in Mexico with a group of pastors. Um, this is a group that we've been with. It's, it's a band of brothers. Uh, this, this is um, a, a pastoral family for us, uh, led by Pastor Johnny Hunt. We've been going, I guess, now for the last six or seven years. And um, matter of fact, one of our guys, his wife died uh, here in the last couple of weeks. And um, this, the way this group of pastors and their their wives have come along that come around that that family has just been really encouraging to see and so uh pray for uh, the snook family uh as brent laid joy to rest uh this past saturday uh but it was a great trip in cancun and uh and kind of sharpening the saw and learning and you always I, whenever i go to these kind of conferences i'm always looking for three if i can walk over three big ideas uh then then it's a win and i've already shared a couple of those uh at the office uh, yesterday. Uh, but as we were driving out uh, Sunday morning, headed back, um, I, I was thinking about what goes into planning a trip like this. And so Holly Hickson is the travel agent who we use uh, for this trip. She does a phenomenal job. Uh, the place where we went was absolutely amazing. And uh, I was just sitting there thinking, what, what goes into, if you don't live in an area like that, what goes into uh, being able to plan a trip like this. I mean, if, when you're not there, you would have to, like, like anything else, you would have to get advice from those who traveled. You'd have to go down there and, and kind of get amongst everybody. And uh, we were driving out, and I was even, matter of fact, commenting uh, to our driver. I was commenting to the driver uh, that it was a famous area, that there was a famous restaurant that had been on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh, that's Guy Fieri's uh, show uh, called El Fish Fritanga. And as we went by it, he pointed it out to us. And so, you know, whenever you're going to travel somewhere, uh, if you're going to put together something like this, for sure, the advice um, from seasoned travelers, that, that's very, very helpful. Uh, it, it's helpful to look at books and those sorts of things. But uh, if you can get somebody who has been there, uh, who has walked that route, who has lived that, who has traveled through that area, uh, they're going to give you things that the, the guidebooks, if you will, are not going to have knowledge of or they're going to leave out. And so here in Romans chapter 4, when Paul is talking about being saved by grace through faith, he knew that there were going to be those who would say, man, that's a dangerous road. That, that's a perilous road. That, that is an unexplored road, if you will. And they would have told him, hey, you better hold up on that. That's, that's, that's one of those trips that you need to be careful before you uh, begin to go on such a such a radical trip, if you will. Uh, but what Paul did is what any wise traveler would do. He began to look to those who had taken the trip before. And he looked specifically to men like Abraham and David. You know, the Bible says back in Deuteronomy 19, it says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. That's what the Bible says. And so what Paul does here in Romans chapter 4 is he begins to look to and lean on, lean into the experience of these two great godly men 
uh, to prove that salvation by faith through grace is the only road that leads to God. So let's begin reading there in verse number one. Notice what it says. And as we read here, I, I want to ask you a question. As we read these first few verses, see if this doesn't sound familiar. If you've been in Abilene lately in our James series, see if this doesn't sound familiar, okay? He says in verse one, what shall we say, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something of which to boast, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Let me put a star up there. Hang on. Does that sound familiar? It ought to. That ought to sound very, very familiar because it's the flip side of James chapter 2. And so if you remember in our study in James, uh, I told you that scholars, Martin Luther didn't even think that James should be in the Bible. He called it a, a, the epistle of straw. And so people have said James is so much this man of works that it cannot be scripture. No, no, no. It's just the different sides of the same coin. And so here what Paul is saying is the exact same that James was saying, just from the other side. He says in uh, verse 3, for what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So let's talk right there for today. And so uh, one of the most brilliant minds in human history uh, was the great astronomer, the great Polish astronomer Copernicus. He died in 1543. He, he's most well known. I mean, he was a canon of the law. He, he was a polyglot and a polymath. Uh, he, he, but he wrote a book that changed history. Uh, the book was entitled On the Revolutions of the Celestial Spheres. Again, a major work in the history of science. Independently, he came up with the theory, the belief, that the sun was, was the center of uh, the solar system. Now, again, you had Aristarchus of Samos who came up with this 18 centuries earlier, but he came up with it independently and it absolutely changed. You've got to remember, at this time, Catholic teaching was the earth was the center of the, of, of the solar system. And so, uh, brilliant mind, brilliant man. And uh, if you were to go find his gravestone, uh, you, you'll, find, you'll find these words. O Lord, the faith thou didst give to St. Paul, I cannot ask. The mercy thou didst give to St. Peter, I dare not ask. But Lord, the grace thou didst give unto the dying robber, that Lord show to me. Again, not just a great scientist, not just a great man, but an amazing, outstanding Christian as well. And he's a man who understood that we're saved by grace through faith alone. And, you know, sometimes we have a, a difficult time understanding and really accepting the fact that we're saved apart from works. Mo matter of fact, most denominations are based upon works. I could go through and I'd get in trouble today. But there are very few denominations, very few people, if you will, who believe that we are, really believe that we are saved by grace through faith. They're all going to add works to it some way or somehow. Uh, but folks, going to church, being a good person, giving your money, uh, serving, all those sorts of things... They're great things, but they're not going to save you. They're not going to get you one square inch of heaven. Salvation is solely through grace, it is solely by grace through faith. And so it's not what you do. 
It's what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And so I've said it all, all these years. It, salvation is not spelled D-O-Do. It's not even spelled D-O-N-T, don't. Salvation is spelled done, D-O-N-E. What Everything that needs to be done has been done by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus Christ did on the cross that makes all of the difference. And so Paul begins to lay out here a threefold argument uh, for why this is absolutely true. Number one, he says salvation by faith is reasonable. It just makes sense. It's logical. Uh, he says verses one through two, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something of which to boast, but not before God. Again, works are good. We're, we're saved, by the way, in order to do uh, good works. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, uh, 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you catch that? We're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so uh, works, though, are the result of salvation. They don't earn you salvation. Uh, they don't get you salvation. They don't gain you salvation. Um, good works, again, cannot get you one square inch of heaven because if, there, if, if we could work our way to heaven, if we could do something good enough that would, that would guarantee us heaven, then what Paul says here is that, that God would owe us something. God would, God would be our debtor is the word that Paul uses. And so it makes absolutely no sense to think that we could work our way into heaven and somehow get up to the uh, uh, gates of heaven and tell God, hey, I've done all this. You need to let me in. God's not going to be a debtor to any man. He's not going to be forced to do anything. And so either we accept the fact that salvation is by grace through faith or we can't have it. And so that's what Paul says. He says salvation by faith is just reasonable, but also it's historical. And you see that in verses 3 through 5 because what Paul does here is he begins to argue, again, the master uh, debater, the, the, the lawyer, if you will. And he argues, he makes his point here by picking out and pointing to one of the most respected, loved, admired uh, men in all of Jewish history, a man by the name of Abraham. Again, he does the same thing James does just from the other side. And he asks the question, how was Abraham saved? And he says, for what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The, the, the word there for accounted is the word legizomai. Um, it, it, it's a business term. It's a, it's a, it's a term of business com commerce. And um, it, it's the term that refers to um, credits and debits. And uh, it means to set one's set to one's credit or to lay to one's charge. And so if you give somebody a power of attorney, they can go out and do anything in your name. They can spend all kinds of money in your name and you're responsible for it. Um, <clears throat> the word legizomai, uh, as you read through uh, the book of Romans, it's found 11 times. And it's, you found it in words like uh, count and reckon and impute. And so he, he's using this banking term here. He says, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so here's what I need you to understand this morning. The Old Testament saints were saved the same way that you and I are saved. They're saved by believing that Jesus Christ, the Old Testament, that they would, that he would, he will go to the cross. And now in the church age, we believe that he has gone to the cross. And so they looked forward, we looked, we looked backwards. And uh, we believe, they believe that he would go. We believe that he did go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. And so nothing has changed from the day of Abraham to our day, other than the tense of the verb. <clears throat> Again, we look back, they look forward. 
And so as, as, as you come here to the scripture, what you're going to discover is that, I mean, all the way through it, from the beginning till the end, there is this common link that links, connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it is the belief, the, the historical belief that everybody has believed. I mean, since Abraham. And that is by believing on him who justifies the ungodly. And by the way, that word there is not just your normal word for a sinner. <clears throat> it's the word that means an extremely wicked person. We believe on him, Paul said, who justifies the ungodly and their faith is accounted for righteousness. And so this salvation by faith, it's reasonable. It makes sense. And this salvation by faith, it's historical. You can look back all the way to Abraham. It's all the way through the Old Testament. They're looking forward. We're looking backward. It makes sense. And then it's scriptural. And you see this in verses 6 through 8. Because what he does now again, he, he pulls up, he presents, he points to another loved, admired, respected, revered uh, Old Testament Jewish leader, a man by the name of King David. And what David teaches us is that a person's sins, and by the way, he was a man of great sin. I mean, remember Bathsheba, Uriah, the, the adultery, the murder, the cover-up, all those sorts of things. And David taught <clears throat> that a person's sins are forgiven by grace. Look in verses 7 through 8, what Paul does is he quotes Psalm 32, the first two verses. He said, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin, to lay at his charge. And so what Paul says to the Jews, he says, hey, look to your own Bible. Look to your own scriptures. See for yourself, what does the Bible teach? You guys are all going to all these things about works, but your own Bible, your own scripture teaches the exact opposite. We do not forgive ourselves. We do not cover up our own sins. They're covered and they're forgiven by God's grace. And so again, this isn't something new or novel. Paul is not pulling this out of thin air. Paul says it's found in the Old Testament all the way from Genesis to Malachi. It's biblical. It's biblical. And so what Paul is doing here as we kind of wrap it up for today is he's laying out the roadmap. He, he, he's appealing to these experienced travelers of Abraham and David who've gone before. And he's pulling them up. He's presenting them and saying to the Jewish leaders who are living by works, look, your own leaders, they knew that the only way that we're saved is by grace through faith. So is it faith or works? We are saved by grace through faith to good works. And so that's what Paul is saying. So I wonder this morning, how do you spell salvation in your life? Do you spell it D-O-Do? -do? I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to go to church, I've got to give my money, I've got to serve, I've got to be a good person, I've got to help little old ladies across the road. Do you spell it D-O-Do? -do? Or maybe you spell it D-O-N-T, don't, apostrophe. I don't do this. Well, I don't do this. I don't go here. I don't do, I don't do this. I don't, I don't live like a hellion. I, I, I don't. Salvation is not, not spelled do, and salvation is not spelled don't. Salvation is spelled done. Everything that needed to be done has been done by the person of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He went to the cross and he died in your place so that if you would 
by grace, through faith, receive what he did for you, then you could experience this salvation that Paul's talking about here in the book of Romans.